today at the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, we're going to go to the AEW Dynamite Review. And we're going to talk about some of the matches that happened and has All Out is pretty much uh, transforming as we got probably another week left before All Out happens on September 5th. Also, we have uh, news and rumors around the wrestling world. We're going to have that and much more on the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Welcome to another episode of the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. I am your host, the infamous Ultimate One from New York City. And today, you know what day it is. It's Thursday, AEW Dynamite Review. And we're going to go through the whole event that happened last night and whatnot from Milwaukee. So we had a, a show, not a type of show that, that they have been going on for the last, I say, three or four weeks. This is more of a lot, a lot of, uh, I say a lot of um, promos, a couple of good matches, um, nothing, the main event wasn't all that. Um, I give the, for one to five, I give the show probably a three and a quarter. Um, I think they could have done a little better. I mean, the, the way everything is uh, pretty much getting together as far as the all out whole storyline, the whole event is coming together very nicely the only one that i think that they are not pushing and not promoting as much is the Andrades versus pop they're not really pretty much they just done uh pretty much promos that is about it which i will talk about it later on but as as you can see if you saw it last night you would probably say oh this dynamite wasn't as great as they had in the past. In the last couple of weeks, it's been so and so. I mean, I mean, it's it's you're not gonna have a, a show, a great show every week because they're trying to push everybody, everybody that you can imagine. So they got too many, too many heads, too many guys in their roster, and they're trying to push everybody and whatnot. And so, and there was stuff in here again, which I still say why was even in a segment or in a show, which leads me to question it. And I'm going to get into it once I start here. But as, as we go here, we're going to go through the first match in the night, which is Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy. This has been building up as Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy have been going at each other's throat as far as promo is concerned. I mean, you watch this match and you already see probably oh you know this is gonna be comedic whatever yes it started comedic uh of course with orange cassie trying to put his you know not a try but he did put his hand on his on his pockets he did the um the kicking slowly while matt was doing the delete and whatnot this would have been cool probably a year and a half ago with the delete stuff but matt hardy you know i don't know what if he's money matt or he's deletion matt so there was confusion right there but the match pretty much, Matt Hardy was on top of Orange Cassidy throughout. 
this whole entire match. After the comedy was over, um, Hardy hit a splash mountain for a two count at one point. He even went for the twist of fate, but Orange uh, turned it around with a two-place suicida and a DDT for a two count. Hardy with a broken nose at one point. I don't know how he broke his nose. His nose was busted wide open. I don't know if it was when he tried to do a twist of fate or whatever, but he's, his nose was bleeding like crazy, like a skunk pig and whatnot. Uh, so he had a broken nose, bleeding like crazy. But Orange hit the center and tried for a twist of fate for a two count. But at the end, Orange pinned Matt with a sit-down hand pocket pin, which uh, he used his own tights to pin Matt Hardy, which was weird because he grabbed Matt Hardy's leg, moved him forward, put his hand in his pocket, held his pants, his own pants, and pinned Matt Hardy. This match, for the start of the show, was pretty good. Nothing bad. I mean, maybe uh, I'll give it a three for for the content of it, for the way it was. Uh, so it was a pretty good match, a way to start uh, AEW. Then we had Malachi promo. And already, again, this this event was mostly a lot of promos, a lot of things that were going to go on for the show. And it was the plans for uh, AEW Dynamite's all, I mean, actually AEW's all out. So Malachi promo, pretty much asking Brock Anderson, the son of R. Anderson, to get himself in the ring, get himself disqualified, and then just walk away from the match because he knows he's making a mistake going into that ring with Malachi Black. So this was a great promo. So pretty much you already knew something was going to happen. Malachi Black was going to use everything in power to make sure that Brock changed his mind and go to the back and just let Malachi Black win by forfeit. Jericho had his promo, which is this is very interesting. Uh, Chris Jericho had a promo with Tony Schiavone. He said he's going to continue attacking uh, MJF wherever he sees him. That this is not over. So my thing was, okay, so if this is not over, so why the hell did he go through the five labors of Jericho? Um, you know, for that you could have had a match with them at all out in a steel cage or something where the winner gets to win whatever well, well apparently now jericho is asking for one more match and whatnot and he said that um if he loses this time he will never wrestle in aew and he will start his commentating career now this is pretty much what i was asking about last week now that jericho lost last week what was his big next move and being the leader of the inner circle what is going to happen? So pretty much that told you already that he is already putting his career on the line on all out. And if he doesn't win, he gets to go to the commentating issue. Now, Jericho still has uh, to January 2022 because he's on a three-year deal with AEW in July. I mean, January 2019. Plus, he has an option. So he probably still got a year and a half left. So, um Jericho being in the uh, commentary, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool. I mean, but uh, sometimes he overdoes it and whatnot. And, you know, Shane Helms went on Twitter yesterday and put that it's confirmed uh, Jericho's coming at WWE. I highly doubt it now with all this crap going on. Why would Jericho even go to WWE with the way WWE right now is portraying himself as not a professional wrestling company, but more of a Disney type of company so i mean jericho always go back just to get into the hall of fame but other than that 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, the man has done so much things for the wrestling business, especially the fact that he showed up at Steve Austin podcast this past April during the week of WrestleMania. So he has done everything. Uh, it is something to watch because right now, now he's putting his career on the line. Would MJF beat him for the fourth time? I probably don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, this pretty much this war is not going to be over to full gear. So it's going to be very, very interesting. But after he said that, MJF came out and accepted the match and whatnot. But he told him to really, really think about it before he makes a decision. Uh, pretty much MJF is so confident the man has beaten him three times within the matter of, you know, probably – four or five months he beat him uh, first time and when they faced off he beat him again um he threw him off the cage of uh, at um bloods and guts and now he beat him at that five leaves of jericho so he has three win against jericho uh i don't see him losing the fourth time i really don't uh, so this war between the pinnacle and uh, uh inner circle has not if you really think about it, has not uh been put to the high standards if you think about it. There's Sammy Guevara against, uh, you know, uh, Sean Spears has been pretty good. The FTR and the and the and the power powerful has become something. But what about Jake Hager? Hager has been not even in the TV as of late. I think since I think a couple of weeks ago when he came on Rampage or whatever it was, he has not been seen. So I don't know what's the deal with that. What they're gonna do? But who knows? Uh, the next match was Varsity Blondes against Lucha Bros. The Varsity Blondes did a promo, which I I don't like when they do promo. I really don't care about that. The Young Bucks came out with the Good Brothers to watch the match. Both teams were having a feel-out process in the beginning, but the Lucha Bros double team prowess took control of the match. The Varsity then they, they started with their double teaming uh, against Phoenix, grounding Phoenix at one point. Varsity ended up botching a move, which it was crazy. And then Ray going crazy with a cutter on Pillman. Super kicked by the bro, uh, the Lucha Bros. Phoenix hit a two-pay suicide on both Varsity Blonde members and whatnot. A power bomb by Pillman. He almost pinned Phoenix at one point. But the Lucha Bros ended up doing hitting an assistant power driver on Pillman for the win. And then this match was pretty good. I give this match a three and three quarters uh, for the fact that there was, um, you know, Varsity Blondes showing that they, they, they're getting there as far as a tag team. Um, but then the Young Bucks came in and approached the ring after the Jungle Jurassic Express actually came into the ring to have like a face-off against the Lucha um, Bros. But then the, the the Young Bucks came in the ring, pushed the the Jungle Jurassic Express against Lucha Bros. And they looked like they were about to go at it, but then they went and they started beating up on the uh, Young Buck and then Jungle Boy and Phoenix hit a uh, Super Suicide, taking out all the members of Super Elite. So this is very interesting. Uh, I still think the jung- uh, Jungle Express or the Jurassic Express, I keep calling them the Jungle Express. I call them jung- Jungle Express because Jungle Boy is the one that is the star in that team. Jurassic Express, I think they're going to be the one winning the match coming up Friday on AEW Rampage, and they'll be the ones facing the uh the jungle or well, i mean the jungle the junk bucks at the steel cage for the simple fact that Jurassic express could have beaten the young bucks the last time they faced over there was too many members in the ring around the super league you have the good brothers you have 
uh, Michael Nakazawa. We have Brandon Cutler. Too many interference that caused Jurassic Express the tag team belts. And I think Jurassic Express will win the tag team belts at All Out and the Steel Cage. And I think they're the ones, the ones who's going to end up winning the match. And speaking about, now you're probably asking why is you're not picking the Lucha Bros? Because I think the Lucha Bros are not going to win and they're going to turn on Pac at All Out and they're going to join um, Andrade's as uh, the Mexican team as the probably the, the 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 better version of the Death Triangle probably who knows but I see that happening a mile away because it doesn't make no sense why would Andrade's call out uh, the Death Triangle when he comes in and I mean we're talking about you know these guys who who at one point probably wrestled in Mexico probably even teamed in Mexico and now. Why not make a, a group or Mexican team of Andrade's and Lucha Bros? You got the one of the best single wrestlers in the world of Andrade's teaming up with one of the best tag teams in the world, the Lucha Bros. You can't ask for anything better. And then you have Chavo Guerrero Jr. pretty much being the consultant or as a manager. And that's another faction that you can have because that triangle right now, I don't even think if they don't have the trios tag team belts, even me, because that's been the rumor in AEW for a while that they're going to make a trios tag team title uh, and it hasn't happened yet. Well, why not do that now? I mean, you have you could have probably uh, Pac join two other members and have a few with the Lucha Bros and, and Andrade's. But, but I see the Lucha Bros turning on Pac on All Out. If it doesn't happen, hey, I could be wrong. I'm just going, I'm just being a, 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 a a matchmaker here booking something that could be interesting as far as AEW. Uh, we will see. We will see because it's very interesting what's going on here with the Lucha Bros and Andrade and Pac is going to be the odd man out in all this. We'll be right back after this. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy Jada Red Sante, host of Turnbuckle Tabloid, and you're listening to the Choke Slam Wrestling Report. We're back, guys, and we're going to continue on with this AEW Dynamite review. And we're going to start it off with uh, the women's match, which I had to ask myself, who are training these ladies? Because Red Velvet has not improved as far as a wrestler. At one point, it looked like she has improved, but last night, her and Jamie Hayter went at it, and... Velvet, I mean, Velvet started off hitting Hater with two two places with Cena in the match. Uh, I mean, and it looked like Velvet was trying to j- jumpstart the match by jumping Hater, but Britt Baker interfered in the, uh, the outside. But Red Velvet, I don't know, her timing is off. She is way, I don't know, she does not know what she's doing in that ring because she went for a standing moonsault on Hater and she missed her completely and it wasn't like hater rolled out hater did not rolled out velvet missed that spot completely this is not the first time this has happened Layla hirsch did this a couple of weeks ago i believe it was against penalty for a bunny one of those 
and she missed him. So I don't know these women are trying to do a high fly moves and they're not timing their jumping or their opponents are not where they're supposed to be at. But this was a botch fast. And this does not look good for the women's division. And I don't know. To me, AEW, this is the only problem I have with AEW. And that's that women's division. We are going through our second year of AEW Dynamite. And they still having this problem. Now, it's funny because yesterday I was on Facebook uh, looking at some of these AEW Facebook groups. And you have people talking about the dumbest shit that I cannot even understand. But... You know, they were talking about all the sounds. AEW doesn't sound right like WWE's. You know? That is not the fucking problem right now with AEW. The problem is the woman's division. Red Velvet, whoever's training her, is not training her correctly. Or either that or she is not getting the whole the whole situation. But Jamie Hayter, I, I mean, Jamie Hayter is not is someone who's been around for a long, long time. Maybe she messed up. Or somebody messed up, but this bars, this standing moonsault that Red Velvet usually hits, Miss Hater completely, and she did not move. Hater ended up beating um, Velvet after she hit a nasty clothesline for the win. Baker jumps Red afterwards, and then Chris Stanton comes out for the save. But again, the big, big issue here is Red Velvet. Oh, Jamie, whose fault was it? You guys tell me. Y'all can email me if y'all want. You may email me at chokeslam underscore wrestling underscore report at yahoo.com and let me know what you think about that. That was a big botch, a big botch. And, and, and I know a lot of you guys may agree with me that the women's division is still not on point. You know, they're not pushing it, even though... Kenny Omega claimed that Rampage is going to be the show they're going to uh, focus or showcase the women's division. Well, that somebody needs to talk to Red Velvet or Jamie Hayter. Somebody, it was somebody's fault. But this woman missed the standing moonsault completely. And I believe they, I, I could say it probably was J- Jamie Hayter's fault because she was not on the spot where she was supposed to be at. But somebody botched and they messed up that match completely. Here's an interesting part that I noticed, the Dark Order troubles. I didn't even know the Dark Order was, uh, you know, mad at each other or, or arguing among each other. It looks like the Dark Order is going to have issues. Now, I, for a fact, did a fantasy booking a couple of weeks ago when I said that Bray Wyatt will be the new leader of the Dark Order. Maybe a lot of you don't believe me. I mean, Bray Wyatt has been on Twitter uh, uh you know, uh, trolling a new mask, uh, pretty much, you know, letting people know he got a new mask going on. But I saw this comment, and I've been saying it for a while. I think that Hangman Page will come back after, you know, I know he's out of TV because his wife was giving birth to a new child. When he comes back, he's probably going to be the one who's going to try to keep the peace within the Dark Order. But Evil Uno and Sue Grayson and 10, We'll be the ones that's gonna stay there and become the more more powerful um, Dark Order. Do not be surprised if Braun Strowman ends up 
going to AEW, which I'm hoping to God that he doesn't. Because I can't stand Braun Strowman. He's just a one, one-dimensional wrestler. He has no wrestling skills at all. But Bray Wyatt could be the new leader of the Dark Order, and it could happen on the one-year anniversary of Brody Lee's death. It could happen. It could happen because he has a 90-day clause. He got to let go, was it? The end of July, probably. Probably in the end of July. So if you think about three months, yeah, between Halloween and November to full gear, something could happen and whatnot. And we could see. We could see it, and I could see it happening as far as that, as Dark Order is having issues among each other, which uh, I'm not surprised because, you know, they have become a more of comedic act ever since Brody Lee passed away. And they've been trying to team up with Hangman Page. And now even Uno has his own vlog. So I don't know how that's going to work, but we'll see. Tony Schwani interviewed CM Punk. He talked about the same thing he talked about Friday, wanting to work with the new talent. He did mention he's retiring the label or the voice of the voiceless. So that's no longer going to be used by CM Punk, he said, because now you have wrestlers in the back that speak out for whatever they want with that young talent in the back. He mentioned the Jungle Boys. He mentioned Darby Allen. Um, at one point, you saw the fans chanting, yes, yes, yes. And he said, well, that's a stick from another guy. All you have to do is be patient. So pretty much he was talking about Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan should be showing up soon AAEW. I, I, I believe they're talking about he's going to show up at New York uh, on the uh, Off the Ash uh, event, which I'll be going. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, something to see that this man is not scared to speak his mind. CM Punk right now coming in to AEW has been, put AEW not to worry about anything, not to worry about pushing storylines too fast, not to worry about, now they don't have to worry about anything. Because pretty much WWE uh, is not claimed that they're not competition. We know that Rampage put almost a million last week because of CM Punk. CM Punk segment alone was a 1,114,000 people watched his segment. So Tony Khan has nothing to worry about because he has somebody else coming through, which would probably, if he doesn't sign by Friday, he will be showing up, and that's Adam Cole. If they get Adam Cole and get Bray Wyatt, AEW doesn't have to worry about anything about pushing shows to the max. You know, they could take their time. Well, here's the only problem I have is the the fans. Fans today have been programmed to think that a, a, a storyline should be done right away. Done quick and done rapidly. Like, because that's what WWE has programmed their fan base. That they put a, 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 a storyline. It should start one month and end right away. Like a video game. And AEW is not going to do that. I don't think AEW is going to do that for the simple fact that they're using New Japan pro wrestling strategy, which means they New Japan does a two-year storyline, and it could drag. But when you get to when it comes to the end of that two-year storyline, you're going to say, you know what, it was worth it. And that's what AEW is doing right now. That's the way wrestling should be. Storyline should not end in a month. Not at all. Not in a month or in three weeks. It should start, you go along with it, put legs on it, and keep continuing on 
and then you start a new one once you feel well there's nothing else to do with this story let's move on you know so that's that's the way it should be but people are so programmed into wanting a story to start today and by friday it's over it's not it's not worth it so they had a Miro promo, which Eddie Kingston, again, was being called out. As Miro said, bring me the Mad King. And so Eddie Kingston pretty much is being called out by Miro. I don't know when these two are going to face off, but most likely they will be facing each other at All Out. So speaking about Eddie Kingston, he teamed up with Mox and Darby versus the Wingman, which I, I'm honestly, these Wingman guys, guys uh, to me, they're a bunch of jobbers. There are a bunch of jobbers that got together. You see, Peter Avalon has been there for almost three years. This guy has not been put anywhere in AEW. Uh, GD Drake, whatever his name is, uh, it, he reminds me a little bit of, of Bob Roop, uh, a little bit of more of uh, like an R. Anderson to uh, Ole Anderson. You got uh, Cesar Bonanno, a big dude, whatever, but, you know, great body. Got strength, but he's not being pushed. And Ryan Nemeth, the Halloween hunk. These guys, I mean, they I don't know what they're doing with them, and they're not really pushing them like they're supposed to. But this match pretty much, uh, Mox Kingston and Darby pretty much had control. So Bonanno took control of the man when he threw Mac Mox on the railing when they were brawling outside. Darby went hit a cold red on JD Drake. Ryan Nemeth at one point comes in with a chair. And when not to hit uh, uh, Mox and Kingston, he gets beat up for his trouble. And then Darby hits the coffin drop on Drake for the win. The aftermath for this was David Garcia attacks Darby Allen again. And again, it looks like it looks like Darby, Gar- uh, Darby and Garcia feel it's not over. I mean, I guess Garcia probably feels like, you know, he could beat Darby at whatever point he wants to. So this match... Most likely they'll fight again. I don't know when, but this is a little nice little feud that's going on between Garcia and Darby Allen. So we'll see. Ty Conti has been announced to be part of the Battle Royal. Uh, Bunny came out and tried to tell uh, Ty Conti that the Dark Order are in disarray. They can't get along. Watch, he don't join the uh, Matt Hardy office or family, whatever, the Matt family office, whatever you want to call it. And... Ty County grabs the, uh, the contract, and she ends up breaking it in front of ba- uh, Bunny's face. They go at it. So security comes in and break it up. You had an FTR promo talking about they're coming back, uh, especially with Wheeler um, with his arm injury. I will be talking about that later. Uh, I'm surprised that he's back. I got to give him props. That gash was nasty. So that online and how many stitches he had, oh, my God, it's horrible. And, you know, and to talk about that, a lot of people – Already talking nonsense, so I'm going to be talking about that also. Pretty much, uh, Kenny Omega did a promo again. Uh, they're pretty much talking about the um, Don Callis firing Christian when he was coming up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, the last store match between um, Cage and Storm back when '96, I think it was, and then Don Callis ended up firing Christian on the spot. And at that time, Omega was 10 years old, so you know, so. You know, it, it, they're bringing that storyline, and it looks like, you know, Callis got it in Cage's face talking nonsense. Cash, uh, Cage comes and attacks Callis. Callis then and his goons attack Cage. Kazarian comes out for the save. 
So it looks next week Kenny Omega will team up with one, I believe, Nakazawa or Brandon Cutler to face Kazarian and Omega. I mean, Kazarian Cage, I believe, is next week or this Friday at Rampage. So, uh, Moxley will be facing uh, Satoshi Kojima at All Out. He said the contract came back from Japan. So, it looked like Kojima answered the call. So, we're going to have Moxley versus Kojima, which is pretty cool. The Gun Club, which included Billy Gunn and his sons, wrestled the factory. Uh, Camarado, again, he looks good, but he's not being pushed like the way he's supposed to be pushed. Uh, but that's just me. Maybe he didn't need more time. This match was all over the place. And this is pretty much promoting the QT Marshals versus uh, Big Show uh, uh, match. And I think they're doing that probably at the, buy- oh, uh, the buy-in. I'm not sure, even though they're going to have the buy-in. They're going to have the Women's Casino Battle Royal on that. But pretty much QT got pinned by Cole Gunn for Joe Jacking with Paul White while Paul White was in the announcing team. So not a lot came out of that. Dan Lambert again came out. This time he's with, with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. This 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 segment is not even not even worth it. You got a guy who's just talking nonsense, talking crap. Dan Lambert is a coach, he's for the UFC. He's not a wrestling. Uh, uh, guy and he's there just talking jaw jacking. This was, I don't know. I mean, probably they, they push the Scorpius guy, eat the pitch even further because these guys has not been in the ring with anybody. They attacked Lance Archer last week. So we'll see where that goes from there because that really, you know, wasn't all that. Then the main event, Malachi, Malachi Black versus Brock Anderson. And during the match, um, not much to talk about here, only that Art Anderson was about to throw in the tower his son because his son was getting beat up in the corner by Malachi Black. Brock then got black mask and he already was bleeding on the head before he got black mask. And this was a match to destroy Brock Anderson pretty much. Um, so he ended up pinning uh, Brock Anderson. Arn came in the ring to protect his son and it looked like Arn was ready to go at it with Malachi Black but he got kicked in the groin and then he got black mask by Malachi Black, and then Lee Johnson came out to for the save to protect the Anderson. Now, this Malachi Black situation, now you already know that pretty much what's going to happen is that Lee Johnson will be the next guy who's going to step up against Malachi Black. Like, he's feuding with the, with the Nightmare Factory, and he's going to keep probably going to go through everybody until Cody Rose comes back and whatnot. So we're going to see what's going to happen with that. Um, so Malachi Black, I like what they're doing. They're pushing him. They're pushing him, this evil, sadistic guy. Um, you know, it's something to look forward to. So, you know, overall, again, the show from one to five, I'll probably give it a three or three quarters. It wasn't all that. There was a lot of, especially that botch match between Red Velvet and Jamie. Uh, um, what's her name? Um, oh, my God, I forgot her name. Hater. Uh, hey, uh, Jamie Hader and Red Velvet. That was the, I think that was the black eye that caused that show to go kind of bad. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty decent. They're just, you know, they're just putting everything together. Next week is the go home show from Chicago. So they're going to have, I think it's next week, I think. Yeah, next week is the go home show for Chicago. So I'm sure they're going to put something together. Uh, maybe Malachi Black, I don't know if he's going to come out. Uh, and the show, I've already seen the five matches already they got. They got the Omega versus Christian, 
you're going to have Andrade versus the um, against Pac. You're going to have the Casino Battle Royal for the women. You're going to have who else? Jungle. I'm saying the Jungle. Uh, jungle. They call them Jungle Express. Jurassic Express against the Young Bucks for the World Tag Team title. That Steve Cage match. Uh, MJF against uh, Jericho. And I believe I'm missing one match. I, I forgot which one. But they already got it set up. But the buy-in, most likely they're going to have QT Marshall against Big Show and then the Women's Battle Royal. So, you know, at the end of the day, the show was pretty decent. It wasn't bad. But it is what it is. And um, that is it for the AEW Dynamite Review. We'll be right back after this. Hi. This is James Rodens from the WNR Podcast. And you are listening to the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. back guys so we're gonna go to some wrestling news and rumors behind the curtain stuff and you know you guys know that i'm always on top of things and the things that has happened during the week so let's start off with ring of honor ring of honor had the uh the uh, death before no it wasn't called glow by honor glory by honor let me get that correct and they had a couple of injuries on last weekend's show so ring of honor provides injury updates on jonathan gresham Rouge and more. Ring of Honor denoted that pure champion Jonathan Gresham suffered a fractured cheekbone and an eye socket. But he will be ready for death before dishonor on September 12th. That's incredible. Furthermore, Rouge suffered a knee injury, but the nature of the injury is unknown. So we don't know. Luckily, he is not the no longer the champion. As you guys know, the Bandito is the Ring of Honor champion. And finally, Flip Gorton is experiencing memory loss after his match against Mark Briscoe. Now, I haven't seen the match. What happened? Maybe he landed one on his head or whatever, but it is what it is. And hopefully, he will get better as time will go by. We're going to go now to NWA and Impact uh, working relationship. Billy Corgan credits Mickey James for helping mend fences between Impact Wrestling and NWA. And I personally feel that Impact. Uh, work with NWA and the fact that also New Japan had not a, not a non-working relationship with Impact for years. We could all blame it to that. I'm going to call her a dingbat because she's a dingbat. Dixie Carter, who did not know anything about wrestling, and she was running a company for close to, what, eight years. And her style of negotiation and her style of booking matching and the people she had under her, like, the Bruce Pritchards and the other Vince Russo and all these guys that were under under her tutelage um, were the ones who pretty much messed up Impact, and that's why Impact has not recovered ever since. The fact that Dixie Carter let AJ Styles walked from Impact years ago, but it was a big time favor for the pro wrestling community and for pro wrestling as as a whole. As AJ Styles ended up going to New Japan, becoming member of the Bullet Club. And whatnot, and Bullet Club blew up once AJ was in there as part of that group. So, as far as the NWA is concerned, of course, that will be Jeff Jarrett and Dixie Carter. Those two uh, messed up the relationship between NWA and 
impact. Uh, so they pretty much burned a lot of bridges. But Billy Corgan, of course, was a guy who had a working relationship with Dixie Carter when he tried to buy uh, a part of Impact, and that didn't work out, and they had a strained relationship. So this is what he said. He said he couldn't make a J for helping men fences between Impact Wrestling and NWA. He said, well, I think it's all credit to Mickey. You know, she was the one that had the relationship to go back and kind of reopen the door, which from my end was closed due to some business stuff that had gone on. Then Pat Keening, who works behind the scenes in time races, has a long-standing relationship with people in Impact. I think it's just kind of mended the fences, and we found some business to do together, and they've been great partners This in this. Obviously, Deanna Peraza is going to be on the pay-per-view and is a real honor. Let's not forget I work on that. I work for that championship, so that championship means a lot to me. So to have it on the end of your show is a great honor and it's a tribute to everybody involved to help but it's but to help put it together. Because I think it's not very obvious, you know everybody calls it the forbidden door. But I've been saying it for years, you know the future of the wrestling business is really great. People working together, putting together these supercars, which is true. Speaking of supercars, that's what Billy Corgan said that WWE he doesn't understand why WWE doesn't want to work with other companies to create supercars. Well, WWE doesn't consider themselves a professional wrestling promotion. They, they, they sports entertainment. They want to be like Disney. So, well, as far as Mickey is a talent, Mickey wants to remain a free agent, which as a which as a friend of hers, I think it's only wise business decision. Of course, if she wants to sign closer to NWA, I will welcome that. But I think it's a good decision for her, given exactly what we're talking about she could she should be available on the open market to work with whoever she wants to and whatever way she wants to choose she earned that so i applaud her too for that as far as behind the scenes yeah she's definitely a leadership role i will constrain mickey to anyone obviously she's very involved in what is happening in the women's division currently but i wouldn't constrain her to that i want someone with mickey's skill to set to set uh to set behind the scenes helping make the entire brand together the nw very much in terms of the office is very much everybody's behind pushing this car up the hill and the number one demand is to make the product as good as it is can be and distinctive as it can't be so you know it goes to show you that guys like billy corgan even though i'm not a big nwa fan shows you these guys are down with this um working with other companies at this forbidden door this is what making professional wrestling for what it is today. Because now, not only do you got NWA, Ring of Honor, uh, MLW, AEW, Impact, all working on this forbidden door, but you got independent shows and New Japan working with other stuff to make matches that people dream to see. Here's one interesting one in Game Changer Wrestling, which I'm not a big fan of that because they too into this uh, extreme violent wrestling stuff. Minoru Suzuki is going to go on one-on-one with Homicide. Now, tell me if that match is not going to be crazy. Minoru Suzuki is one guy who loves pain and loves bringing pain. Homicide is a crazy psycho wrestler who doesn't care, who comes from that lineage of guys that he followed, like a, uh, Bruce Brody, a Stan Hansen, Minoru um, Masawa, you know, I could keep on. He, this guy followed a lot of people. Terry Funk, Abdullah the Butcher. He's going to bring it to Minoru Suzuki. And this is a match I definitely cannot wait to see because this is going to be crazy. Okay. And Hamasai 
is one guy that I've been following for years. For probably since I think 2010, 2009, when he followed the original LAX. So I've been following him for a while, for 12, 13 years. And, and Homicide is one of my favorites in the wrestling scene. So that's going to be something special. Uh, Sin Cara, the original Sin Cara, once again assumes the mantle of Mystico in uh, Simmel as Mystico 2 departs. So, there's another shakeup in CMML as the man portraying Mystical has departed promotion and the original Mystical. Also, the original Sincara once again assumed the mantle. Mas Lucha reported that Mystical 2, who is the brother of Rouge and Dragon Lee, had quit the promotion and may potentially go on to become Dralistico. Uh, this is uh, crazy because CMML has been losing wrestlers. They just lost the trios tag team champion of uh, the new uh, the Generation Dynamite, which is called Generacion Dinamitica. They showed up at Triple A at Triple Mania uh, about a couple of weeks ago. So the CMML is losing a lot of wrestlers. I don't know what's going on in CMML, but they've been having issues for the last couple of years when they lost Rouge, they lost Dragon Lee, they lost Navesia because of differences behind the scene the people who are running cmml ever since the owner died i believe the wife or the sister are the ones or the brother are the one messing around with people's contract and cmml is like the wwe of mexico they've been around for 60 something years for a long time and with all these problems going on right now the only thing that can happen is the other young talents that's been around to step up to take over these spots that these uh wrestlers who have already uh, established itself as a big star in CMML now could go up and now take over those spots. But this does not look good for CMML. But you know, as I say, someone's garbage is somebody else's treasure. And as AAA right now is going to pick up anybody they can to, you know, to make the product look better. In WWE news, Pat McAfee revealed positive COVID-19 tests. Now, Pat McAfee's one guy that I cannot stand. And the reason is he is the commentator for SmackDown. And every time I say SmackDown, he's doing the most to take attention away from the wrestlers that, let's say, won the match or did something great. He's in the middle of trying to get TV time and, and getting, you know, the, the trying to get the attention. And I was honestly, I don't, I don't know what's going on with WWE. I mean, but then again, not only WWE, there's other space, places that, that got COVID. This COVID stuff is not over. And now Mac, Pat McAfee revealed he came out positive, and that is not a good move for WWE. Does not look good for WWE. But hey, Cole, uh, Michael Cole works with Pat McAfee. I'm sure they're gonna send his ass home because he works closely with Pat McAfee. So there you go. The Casino Royale participants. For the AEW All-Out event, already has Big Swole, Diamante, Julia Hart, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Ty Conti, Thunder Rosa, The Bunny. Now, out of this people I just uh, talked about, those eight competitors. I'm So far, I got Ty Conti and Thunder Rosa. Do not be surprised if Mercedes Martinez shows up at AEW. Remember, Mercedes Martinez was part of the NXT group, last NXT group that Brandon, uh, Bronson... Reed was let go, and 
she was one of those people that was let go. Do not be surprised if Mercedes Martinez shows up at AEW because she has shown up in Casino Royale in the past, along with uh, the other girl. I forgot her name that was, uh, you know, she was let go. Ivelisse, that's what the one. She came out in one of the same Casino Woman Royale when Ivelisse showed up. So this Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Martinez was not used correctly at NXT. She was part, she had title matches, but they never gave up the belt because again, WWE plays favorites and they don't push people who you know have experience. Like Mercedes Martinez has been in the business, I think probably close to 20 years, probably 15. But there you go. She is now um, you know, part of maybe part of that whole thing. Cass Wheeler details arm injury. Say he lost grip and strength and feeling when he got caught in that hook. Stabbed himself into the arm and ripped it open. Uh, there was pictures on this. It was nasty, a nasty gas. Uh, for almost a month, I've been dealing with a loss of grip and strength, loss of feeling, nerve damage, and wonder if this is even worth it anymore. If this is the end, we're taking a pound of flesh with us. So it looks like he probably still have issues with his arm. Uh, this is this is sad because the FTR, one of the greatest tag team there is. And the business right now, now with Wheeler getting caught in that hook that ripped his arm open, how is that going to affect him mentally now when he comes anywhere near that that tag team rope or near the corner where he's about to do a move from the top? It's going to be crazy because now all these wrestlers wrestled outside the ring. I don't get it. I mean, those wrestling moves you're doing from the top, falling from the top, landing on the outside. Yes, and it's funny because now you got people on Twitter talking a lot of stupidity. I had one guy that was on uh, Twitter talking about, oh, you know, it just had to happen AEW. It doesn't happen WWE. I had to give him a newsflash. You know, it does happen at WWE. It happens in any promotion. But he wants to pinpoint AEW because he's probably a WWE mark. Well, if that's the case, then we could say that WWE is responsible for always Hart's death, which is fact because they continue the pay-per-view after Owen died on 1999. So if they want to go there, we could go there. But this happens to any. It's part of wrestling. And but you want you got goofballs, trolls online that want to put all oh, AEW and this and this. Stop, stop. It's stupidity. What you said is stupidity. Whatever. You know it makes no sense. Uh, Major League Wrestling is going to have the Opera Cup of uh, twenty twenty one to take place in Philadelphia, October second and November sixth. So that is already set up. Kenta revealed he had COVID. And now he's doing better, and this is why he had a, you know, uh, not wrestling the Grand Slam this past, I believe, August or something like that. He couldn't make it, so but he still wants CM Punk. So we might see the CM Punk versus Kenta because these two have been going at it on Twitter for years. So don't be surprised if Kenta shows up at AEW to confront uh, CM Punk after All Out. So this could happen. Edge, SummerSlam entrance, cancel, Gangrel's AEW plans. And this, I call this petty. And I believe that WWE has something to do with this. And I don't care what anybody tells me because this don't make no sense. So supposedly, Gangrel was supposed to show up at AEW Dark Elevation and use his music. Well, apparently, somebody must have got back to WWE and, and Edge uh, of two, three, of two days there, or a day later before the SmackDown, or uh, before he did the blood sting on him, because his 
Gang Grill's uh, a premium plan was canceled. So this is what Gang Grill said, and this is from Fight Food Select. I was supposed to be on a plane to Milwaukee on Monday. I get a return phone call saying, oh, man, we're so sorry. We're going to have to, we're going in a different direction because the WWE media stuff. That's what happened Saturday when Ace came out with Gang Grill music. That entry, everything Ace did was effing great. The reason I wasn't so excited about it is because I knew I was off another great opportunity and the timing sucked. AEW contacted me and they wanted me to come in to, and do Dynamite. They were putting the entrance together. They were going to do the fire. They were putting the music together and getting it all together. The same time I was trending and really happy for Edge on the inside, I was super worried, like, please don't let this ruin things. I called people and they were like, I wouldn't worry about it. When SummerSlam hit, I knew it was a final nail in the coffin. I was cool because I never knew what Gangrel brood entries would look like in 2021. It was tremendous, tremendously done. When I got the phone call and they were going to go in a different direction, it's not their fault. It's just timing. And I think it was Tony's idea to bring me in. Guys, I don't know what to talk, go about, to think about this, but this sounds like someone in the AEW has a mo. My put AEW has a mo in it because how the hell the gang girl was planned to be brought in for AEW Dynamite, and three days later. When they're already planning to put Gangrel to come out on Dynamite, Edge does the blood thing, the bloodbath on Seth Rollins, and then the next day he shows up with the Grand Gap, the brood music, and all that, and that was it. Now, I know a lot of you guys are like, oh, but the music is owned by WWE. Okay, that you got you got a point there. But doesn't this little iffy for you that as soon as he was supposed to come out this Monday, uh, three days before that, Edge does this entrance of the brood. But anyway, he said, yesterday I called Adam, which is Edge. It was, he was like, did you see it? I was so happy and honored to pay tribute. You worked so hard and the brood was a cool time in my life. I hope this helps you get more money out of booking and move some merch. He was so happy. I didn't know what to say. I go, yeah, it's kind of cost me. What do you mean, buddy? The other company over there, AEW, they were getting ready to do a thing. I was getting ready to do my entrance again, not Edge, me. I didn't tell him that. He got so quiet for what felt like an attorney. He goes, man, I'm so sorry if you had told me. I didn't know. I just got booked. I felt like he was going to cry. I did tell him how Papa was like he was doing the entrance. He felt so bad. He sent me the picture of his daughter with the jacket. I was like, it's cool, man. I was, it was fucking awesome. I love seeing you do that. It was weird timing thing. He told me he was working for it for two and a half months. He said, you don't know how hard it was to get bloodbath thing because of the PG situation. He wanted, he wanted the red and the blood. It really came down to if it, if it wasn't black, it wasn't happening. It wasn't an ideal night for him. He planned it. It was a big deal for him. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Edge didn't know this because Somar had contacted WWE and WWE did not tell Edge that Gangrel was playing the news. So again, WWE being petty. And a lot of people are going to be saying, well, no, the, uh, the, the brood theme music is there. It's true. But why would they do this? 
if it wasn't for somebody in AEW, probably called somebody in WWE and told them, look, AEW is trying to do this. And Mark Henry is one guy who um, works in AEW, but he also works for uh, Busted Open Radio, which has that WWE Shield. And I don't care if he's hearing this, but uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, who's always trying to put WWE on top, regardless if they matter or not. So, again, this is, a, I call it the Forbidden Podcast. I call this the podcast they throw facts. How in the world did WWE knew that Gangrel was going to be in AEW on a Wednesday, and then they do this three days before he was supposed to come out at AEW Evolution. There's got to be a mo. There's no, there's no other way. So I'm sure Tony Khan saw this, and now it's going to be worse for anyone. Again, uh, we talked about the AEW contract for uh, Chris Jericho. I already spoke about that. There's a one-year option. So in a sense, it's up to the end of the next year, so a year and a half left. So he's still got a year and a half left, and we talked about. And finally, to end this podcast, Wrestling World remembers Dominic Danucci now. I was supposed to talk about this like two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Dominic Danucci, you guys don't know who it is. This man wrestled back in the 60s and uh, early 70s. I saw him uh, wrestle uh, when I was a kid. Dominic Danucci plays a trail in wrestling that spanned the glow from early career beginnings in Canada, Australia, Japan, and the Midwest of the United States. Dominic Danucci debuted in New York City for WWE in 1967, which was WWF back then. A former pairing with Bruno San Martino, so the two Italian-born wrestlers captured the WWE International Tag Team Championships in 1971. Danucci would later win the WWF World Tag Team Championship alongside both Victor Rivera and Dino Bravo. These two guys, I saw them wrestle, especially Victor Rivera. And Dino Bravo, of course, uh, we all remember Dino Bravo. Um, he would go on to challenge inaugural Intercontinental Champion Pat Patterson multiple times before the end of his 15-year run with WWF. After retiring from competition, Danucci transitioned to Raw as a world-renowned trainer. Danucci notably trained Mick Foley and the Moondogs. So uh, Mick Foley, of course, you got to know who Mick Foley is, Cactus Jazz. He trained him and I believe Shane Douglas also. And, you know, this guy, I remember watching him. I know I'm a little late with this, but I can't forget it to talk about it. And Dominic Danucci, I remember him watching when I was a kid. Uh, uh, he died, I think, at 85, I think it is. It's been a long time. I mean, he's survived. And then when you hear stuff like this of wrestlers that you watched when you were a kid, it kind of hurts because it's like an era that died. So... That is it for me today, guys. Uh, that is your AEW Dynamite review plus the Behind the Curtain episode. Uh, let me know what you guys think. You guys now can email me if you want and give me your thoughts on this podcast. And I'll read your emails and answer them back. You can go to chokeslam underscore wrestling underscore podcast at yahoo.com. You can follow me there and send me your emails. Also, you can check out my uh my website tcwr.veryinkpressive.com that's tcwr.veryinkpressive.com you can check out my audio podcast plus my video podcast plus the website also has 
the uh, apparels and the hat in there, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, is, um, you know, home to the TCWR, veryimpressive.com, or the other way around, TCW, TCWR.veryimpressive.com, the home of the Chokeslam Wrestling Report for his apparel, his podcast, and for everything in there so you guys can check it out. Um, again, you guys want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. You can follow also the, the podcast audio through uh, the uh, Amazon, Apple, and Spotify podcast, uh, audio podcast, or any major audio podcast that you guys like to listen to. So until then, guys, I will definitely see you on Sunday for Behind the Curtain, Behind the Curtain episode. Until then, be safe, wear that mask, and take care. It's a new-